Welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their various adventures. Specifically, welcome to Tea Time, a spin-off podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their various adventures in England. I'm Chris. I'm Jay. And I'm Natalie. And I'm also Drew, because he's unable to join us this week. Yeah. Drew had some more pressing matters. No. Drew is just not he's with us sick. today. <laughs> he's <is> sick. <laughs> According to him, his voice is very much like what Lupin wrote on in this week's episode. A little little horse. horse. (laughs) I still laugh at that. (laughs) Pony? No, a little horse. (laughs) No no lie. When he posted that picture on on, on our Discord server and he said, I'm not going to lie, you guys, my voice is. And then he posted the, the pic. I'm like, a little pony? (laughs) (laughs) all right so this week lupin and the gang pulled a bill and ted by embarking on an excellent adventure (laughs) on a bogus transcontinental express (laughs) so lady and gentlemen what did you guys think of this one ladies first ah thank you well i thought it was i thought it was a really good filler episode again with my um (laughs) My crack theory that we weren't going to have any filler episodes this season. Um, I'm okay with it, though. I do enjoy this one. It's it's very cartoony, very zany, very hilarious. Um, also, props to Zoid the 9000. I know he listens to our podcast. Um, one of the, who, who, He translates for um, Sentai, the company that's handling um, the distribution for the series. You know, props to him for, you know, his choice in some of the um, translations, especially the line with Jigen and Goemon. Um, <laughs> but I really did enjoy this episode. <laughs> also, as as someone who is obsessed with detective novels, Ellery Queen is back. This is probably, what, the second time he, he's been in the Lupin franchise? Uh, refresh memory, what was the first? Um, with the episode with Inspector Barranco, Colombo's son. <gasps> Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Again, I, again, if you have to know something about me, I was a teenager that read a lot of books and detective novels were my thing. And I do happen to enjoy Madame Agatha Christie, who is the beloved writer of um, Ellery Queen. That's awesome. So yeah, second time he's in. A good whodunit. (laughs) Yeah. Even if he is in for like 10 seconds, he was in. Correct. So he he indirectly played a, a sizable role in this one. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know, due to his nephews. God, his nephews. <laughs> his nephews. I legit. Okay, five seconds. But I legit thought his nephews were fucking. Um, I thought they were gonna make the writers were going to make his nephews out to be the Hardy Boys. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> I, 
I mean, honestly, it would fit. It yeah. would. Yeah. But then I started thinking of um, that one South Park episode with the Hardy Boys where they call them the Hardly Boys and they made them like very, very effeminately gay. Yeah. Oh my God. I got like a raging clue. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jay, your thoughts? Oh, uh, well, one, it gave me a lot of vibes of um, some good old part two uh, content there. Uh, it reminded me a lot of those of the few who who done it episodes in uh, part two in particular, uh, and I have to say, I really like the way uh, uh, the boys were. Like I, I don't remember their names. What were the boys' names? Do you guys That's- remember? Uh, I can't remember. I, I I remember having to look back just to make sure that that wasn't the Hardy Boys. So <laughs> leave me alone. So, I literally so just watched the episode before we started, but um, I already forgot. <laughs> I I will say this, Emmy. I absolutely loved Emmy. She oh, played she a bit it. role, and she was and so cute. Oh, you mean the little girl? Yes, the she little girl. And she knew it. She is so what? fucking cute. She's so cute. And she knows it. And she knows it. She smacked uh, one for, for, for even considering that she wasn't a bombshell. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you guys, though. It, uh, yeah, it felt a lot like classic Lupin III to me. It did. Did. Part three, maybe a little bit of part three as well. So wait a minute. So um, on that note, Chris, um, did it feel like, like Lupin or Nupin? that I want from the series. Try that again. And Hello? you guys not hearing me. We apologize, but the Sideburns and Cigarettes gang are currently experiencing technical difficulties. You know, I, I get sick for one day, and uh, well, look what happens. You know, this type of thing would never happen under my watch. Except for that, that one time when we uh, reviewed an episode for well over an hour, and I for, forgot to press the record button. And uh, there was also, yeah, there was that one time when I typed tea time instead of tea time on that announcement tweet. And uh, all all those times I fucked up the opening on the episode. Shit, you know what? Never mind. Back to the show. Apologize, fans. We had a little bit of some technical difficulties. But last time... It was my fault. Now do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Oy vey. Um, (laughs) Okay, so... um, But we were talking about that adorable little girl in the cartoon. The one who was like... I'm a bombshell and you know it, smack. <laughs> yeah, she was great. Legit, legit. That's going to be my future kid. I would, I would be disappointed if it wasn't. <laughs> oh, she was super cute. I just loved also how, um, um, oh my God. I, I, am I remembering this correctly? I've only seen the episode twice, but wasn't she like, she knew who Fujiko was because of, you know, the, the non hardy boys. <laughs> <laughs> going uh, after her the not so hardy boys yeah the not so hardy boys. Right. yeah um yeah because you know they referred to her as you know a gorgeous bombshell yes and, and so then emmy saw fujiko and realized this is probably her um but yeah it, um okay so episode was really good it was really entertaining um oh my goodness i so- i <laughs> Uh, sorry for interjecting here, but 
there is one gag I want to uh, I really want to talk about. Go ahead. It's when you know Zenigata thinks that he sees Jigen and Goemon. Oh so God, he pulls, yes. <laughs> he pulls off he pulls off their masks, and they're just two other guys. So he gets embarrassed and walk off. Then Jigen and Goemon pull off their two other guys' masks, and turns out they really wore them. And that is just has such has such a monkey punch s gag. It is because there's so many, you know, like there's several chapters in the manga where, you know, Lupin is wearing multiple masks at the same time. <laughs> I I, I kind of like yeah. um what I like about that scene. First off, you see Goemon eating cup of noodles, Jigen eating whatever he's eating, and he's like. You know, if it wasn't for all these cosplayers, we wouldn't blend in. I know, right? <laughs> and then, you know, Zenagata <laughs> comes up to them and they're doing, you know, you know, that awesome translation by uh, Zoe the 9000. And then um, he's like, where is Lupin? I know you know where Lupin is. And they take off the mask to reveal, you know, the, the, the mask that they had on top of their real faces. And he's just looking at them like... You guys have terrible taste in costumes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for some reason, someone disguised as themselves always cracks me up. It's like, that's one way to get a laugh at me no matter what. Having someone disguised as themselves. I don't know why it's so funny to me, but it is. No, it's hilarious. I love it. Um, However, okay, so this episode, being filler... The main plot of the episode is obviously that um, Lupin and Lupin and the crew, and yes, with Fujiko as part of the crew, let's let's give another shout out to her just doing shenanigans with um, you know, no no real double crossing or nothing, not yet anyway. Um, right, which is why it reminds me of an early part two episode. Yes. Oh my god. I me whom whom got influenced into the show by part two into mm-hmm. the series by part two. So it's like yay. Um. There, thereafter, apparently, um, the first ever ticket sold for this train from Manchester to Liverpool, I believe. Yes. And, oh my god, can we just appreciate that after Fujiko has it and she knows she's going to get caught, she pulls a freaking Cassandra Kane from Birds of Prey and swallows the damn tickets. But she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Yes. Yep. It was so sleight of hand. Oh, Fujiko, we love you. I also liked the bit with the uh, with opening up the uh, the deposit boxes, I guess they are, or safes, what do you want to call them? Safes. And it turns out the real one is actually in the painting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The painting. She's like, felt- it couldn't be. I love that. But yeah, that also felt very monkey punchish. Yeah. It it is a very monkey punch episode even even with the little um Lupin trying to go fast on the pony and he's like, "Hey, can you can you go a little bit faster?" and the pony's like like the pony understands what he's talking about. The pony's like that, that nah. kind of what what, what special <laughs> yeah. was that that he rode a horse in the beginning? Oh, what was it? I don't remember, but it was during like a horse race. Anyways, I, I, it gave me vibes like that during that scene from that that particular special. I don't recall a special. Maybe uh, you know. I I, I, I need to remember. Rhapsody. What was that? Seven days rhapsody. That's it. 
Yes. It reminded me of that a little bit. At the, and I really love that special too. I don't know why I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've seen that one. Well, it's good. It's probably the the reason why you probably haven't seen it is because uh it's not here and available in the US yet. Mm-hmm. I, um I thought I thought Discotech released it. Did they? Maybe. I don't I think so. I don't think so. I don't think they have yet because I would have bought that in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, I've been keeping up with a lot of the Rice Stuff releases. I mean, I had, again, I've had, as I mentioned to Will during our the first episode, I had Hemingway Papers and most recently First Contact on Bootleg until I started having the disposable income to buy and fulfill my Lupin crack addiction. So now I own Hemingway Papers and First Contact legally. So That's good. I have a couple of bootlegs myself, actually. I got a bootleg of uh, uh, the, the Blood Spray of Goemon. Oh, uh, God. And I got a bootleg of uh, Jigen's Gravestone. Yeah, I try my best to try to get my hands on legit copies, especially once. Oh, me too. No, well, especially when once dubs are out, um, I, I, I definitely go and get them. That's why, like, you know, oh, that's a little bit off, um, you know, non secular. But um, with the recent dub of part one, I don't own part one, either bootleg or, you know, official release here in the States, whether it's subtitled or not. Um, I'm hoping that the whole entirety of part one is dubbed that way i have a reason to buy it to complete my collection otherwise i'm just gonna stick to watching it in mexican spanish on tms's um youtube channel i i just i wish the part one episode was so well done Uh, i thought it's funny because it sounded like you were about to say the part one episode was so good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i i actually caught myself because i was about to but i did not mean it in the way that it was going to come off as it was well done the dub was yeah. well done yeah the, the dub- episode sucked <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, it was well uh, done uh by the way uh you guys were right i was mistaken seven days rhapsody is not available i, I, uh, I knew it over here. okay <laughs> that, that that solves right. our answers but going so anyways, back, going back to the episode itself, uh, what's another fun gag? Oh, yeah. Um, Jigen and Goemon riding that um, bicycle built for two. And he's, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, him as in Goemon is like, this is so archaic. Why can't we drive a car? You're one to talk, Mr. I'm out of place. Right. Well, see, uh, see well, I like that Jigen didn't really elaborate on you know, on that too much. It was just like, oh, you're one to talk. And that was it. You know, kind of, kind of the viewers filling the gaps themselves, which I thought was funnier. Again, um, yeah. I'm just ad-libbing. I'm just, you know, saying these lines as if me, Natalie, would say them. Also, uh, I gotta say, Jigen's whole ricochet trick was awesome. Oh, yeah. That was I dope. absolutely loved that. Particularly the way, uh, oh, shoot. That, that little back and forth between him and the boys. I forget what he oh. said, though. Oh, yeah, where they're like, uh, you're aiming the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, and then he called him, and then they called him an old man. And that it was, was it. it. 
Yeah, and then and it was very much like um like Conan meets um Jigen. By the way, do not call me old man, whereas you know Do not call me an old man. Yeah, whereas with Detective Conan, he's like, Don't call me Papa. Don't call me Papa. <laughs> I love that gag. I love I love the old man gag. Right. Yeah. Also, no, can, me too. can we talk about for a sec uh that it's almost like uh uh, the new voice actor for Jigen was trying to say, I'm not the old dude that used to play him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, I didn't I mean, get that inclination. Again, um, I don't know. What oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm not saying that's what it was intended to be, but it, I'm saying it was like a little funny little thought that I mean, it's my mind. No, no, I mean, no. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's just... um. For me, it's just kind of like I didn't, I didn't get that, but I see where you're coming from. Right. I, I, I do think like there was like a little bit of meta commentary there. About, yeah. 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 About Jigen's, you know, having a new voice actor because of the age of Kobayashi. So mm, right. But you know, even without that, the gag still works. It, 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 it's almost like you know what? I'm not that old man anymore. I've been through a fountain of youth and I've been revived. I right. can scream. I can scream now. You want to hear it? I also really like, I also like the whole bit where, uh, where Lupin and Zenigata are having a conversation on foot, mm-hmm. and Lupin repeatedly explaining the situation, and Pops has no idea what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, just, "Would you mind explaining?" Just, well, okay, this, this, this happened. That's the same thing you just said. It still doesn't make any sense. Right. And then he adds murder into the mix, and he's like, "Now you're making even less sense." Yeah. <laughs> right. And I can't help but think of that bit in the manga where uh, Zenigai refers to Lupin as Mr. Bullshit himself. <laughs> <laughs> what chapter is that in? Because I do not recall that. Or what, uh, what it's, book? It's in the uh, either first or second volume of World's Most Wanted. I think it's called uh, Who Are You? It was adapted to a part of the episode. Yeah, yes, uh, we know you're Jay. Oh my god. <laughs> actually, now I think about it, it was I don't think it was, I think it was actually Lupin that said it because he was disguised as Zenigai. But it was something possible to say anyway, so... But anyway, uh... I feel like there's not a whole lot to discuss about this episode, but... Not because, I mean, I not, c- not because there's anything wrong with it, either. It's just... Is this a classic Lupin the Third slapstick, you know, slapstick filled right. in with monkey punch gags episode? Again, it's... It's... it's it, kind of- it reminded me a lot of the part... F- uh, the part three episode in part five. And in a oh, really yeah. good way, too. Yeah. You you mean the 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 smart safe episode? You, you mean the best episode of part five? Agreed. Honestly, yes. Yeah, and you know, like I've said before, it's like you know, I would have been perfectly fine at part six with nothing but these types of episodes. Same. Mm-hmm. Now I do like me a little bit of plot, I but mean, and I also really love these one-off episodes. Right, they're so good. They're delightful. And to be fair, I am enjoying this overarching story so far me too yeah i'm really curious to see where it goes i just hope it doesn't do what part five did and just suddenly you know peter out halfway through yeah right um i think you know again i i I kind i'm kind of chewing up my words thinking that there wasn't going to be filler when i need to remind myself that one of the wonderful one of one of the wonderful things about lupon the third is you know the retelling um, the retelling capabilities of these characters in the story. I joke with a lot of my friends that 
I cannot invest in a show that just cannot end, which is why I love shows like Breaking Bad and, um, you know, anything that's not more than five seasons. I can, you know, my ADHD is okay enough to stick with and 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 enjoy it because there's there's clearly a beginning, a middle and end. Boom. I don't need anything else except maybe the one spinoff here and there. It's not the same like that with anime. A lot of animes just go on and on and on and on. Cough, one piece, cough, to the point where I just I just get distracted and 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 not fully invested in it anymore. And while Lupin has continued on in these past fifty years, I think the reason why I can stick with it is because it's not an ongoing storyline. It's not like Days of Our Fucking Lives where it goes on for forty years. And you kind of do have to watch from the first episode just to understand the plot and what's going on. So long as you have Lupin, Jigen, Fujiko, Goemon, and Zenigata, the retelling capabilities are there. And that's what makes and that's what makes for even a season that has a core storyline to have these fun filler episodes. I'm just more happy that these filler episodes are not one-sided. Whereas in part five, they were in part four, they were still in Italy, maybe with the occasional, oh, we're in Japan for this episode. Um, another, here and there. Another really great one. Yeah, the Japan yeah. episode was great. I'm not going to I'm not going to diss on the Japan episode of part four. It's one of my faves. Yeah, one same, of them. same here. But part five, it was very much like, OK, so here's a storyline of Ami. Now we're getting to this gag episode of the smart safe. Now we're going into this is Albert. This is somebody from Lupin's past. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I now, do- granted, I do like the characters they introduced in part five. Like Albert, yeah. love him. Ami, love her. Hated Enzo, but I, I I loved like Yata and stuff like that. Especially once he actually got a little bit of a uh, uh, a purpose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> once he no, actually I, became, once he actually became a character. Right. I, exactly. Yeah. Not just Zenny got his fanboy. No, I agree with you there, Jay. Like part five, I don't. I'm, I don't mean to diss on part five because I do. And I do enjoy part five. I really do. Oh, me too. Um, and part- I've come a long way from being someone who hates hearing criticism from it to now criticizing it myself after several re- rewatches. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes me a bit to get over that hype train, if you will. No, agreed. Um, so part part five is still up in my top faves uh, at the moment. However, I think part four actually kind of uh, slipped back into number one for me. I think, for again, for me, part two is near and dear to my heart. Because there's no core storyline. There's no continuing storyline. It's just so many. It, it, it's it's one off episodes with no with no. Um, what do you call it? Um, with nothing really ca- um, canon wise, unless there's like, you know, shout outs to previous episodes, like when Mr. Scorpion returns or when Lupin meets up with Bujiko Mine um Fujiko's auntie and he sees the hieroglyphics and he starts getting PTSD from when he had the Tutankhamen mask on in a couple episodes previously from that or the um, time that they almost made an episode where Pai Cow returned oh in oh, part yeah. two yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it didn't get made but there were plans to do it there was actually yep. some concept I, art made for it uh, they should I, have done it don't I have a script for that or something I don't know I have something 
If you do, let me see it because I really do think Pike Hall got cheated in his reusability as part of Lupin's um, gallery of rogue villains because Pike Hall is up there being iconic with Mr. Scorpion and and Mamo and Kiyosuke Mamo and them. So, my poor boy. I feel like it's kind of funny though pointing out that Lupin has a rogues gallery considering that he's a rogue himself. Anyway, rogues can have rogues galleries, okay? <laughs> okay. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's anti heroes, there's also anti villains. Exactly. Not saying there's that not, anyone in the There's Lupin's... also antibiotics. I mean, yeah, all sorts of antis. I don't know about you. I've always been probiotics, so. <laughs> <laughs> I support farmer. I'm pro tractor. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was making a John Pennette joke the whole. I've been taking a lot of. Um, of probiotics i guess i was always antibiotic <laughs> ha oh i think i remember that one. Oh god i love john finette uh anyway. recipes john finette anyways uh, but what i'm great. going what, what i'm getting back to is um i don't know why i really thought that they were going to go head first and drag on the core storyline when the appeal of lupon is the the retelling or the just the multiple storylines you can come up with so long as you have the core characters. And that really does ring true and near and dear to what Monkey Punch said of, you know, like he wants to continue sending Lupin to many adventures around the world. So even though he did kill him off once, but that's beside the point. Yeah, that's beside the point. <laughs> well, see, I know that I was skeptical about whether or not I like part six because of the, uh, you know, those teasers and trailers we got early on. Uh huh. Which really made me afraid that it was going to be everything I disliked about part five. With very little what I did like. But mm-hmm. happily that has not seemed to be the case so far. I am I am really enjoying the series. And I do like how we're going more for a part four style mm-hmm. uh, fillers. I mean, again, this episode, I didn't think it was groundbreaking or mind-blowing. Or uh, anything like that. But it was solid. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And that's really all I want from this franchise. Yeah. What about you, Jay? Yeah. I mean, this episode, I loved it from start to finish. Like, 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 like Chris said, it's not mind blowing or anything like that, but it gave me, it gave me some good laughs, made me smile. Uh, it reminded me of part two a lot mm-hmm. and the manga as well. So I can see a little bit of part three I, there I, as well. Yeah. A little bit of part three. I mean, I did kind of relate it to the part three episode of, of part five. So yeah, a little bit of part, uh, part three in there too. Mm-hmm. Also, Lupin's I don't know. Wearing, I just Lupin's wearing a green jacket. So part one. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. There we, we, we compared it to all five previous series. Um, but although, yeah, I really liked it. Although something I noticed though, was that I think it, I think the first half was kind of slow. A little, yeah, especially yeah. with, um, I, I, again, coming back to keeping it within the core storyline of the, of the series, you know, the um, the setting of England and Scotland Yard, you know, Zenigata right. is giving us a little bit of context saying, now that I'm done doing some things with Scotland Yard, I'm here hanging out with motherfucking Ellery Queen. <laughs> of course, maybe I felt like it was the first half was a little slow because... You know, Lupin himself really didn't show up until, you know, close to the eye catch. Yeah, because again, at, at least, well, he was in the sky the whole time, so we did see him. But you know what I mean. Hmm. Heck, Zenigata. Like, I feel like in this episode, Zenigata 
And even the boys, by boys, I mean Goemon and Jigen, were kind of um, were kind of secondary in this episode. And the main focus was really on Lupin and Fujiko. I kind of disagree. Okay. Because, again, because we got, I think we actually had quite a bit of Jigen and Goemon in the first half. And both of them were very instrumental in uh, wrapping up this, in resolving the conflict as well. Yeah, I kind of consider them a little bit Deus Ex Machina in the end, not not in a bad way, or not even in the in the in the literative use of it, but just you know, oh, here they come to help you out when you know well, we had when most of the caper was really done by um, um, Fujiko and Lupin. I mean, so I really do like the fact that uh, Jigen and Goemon are the reason the boys even got into the. Uh, the party, if you will. Right. Yeah. Because they literally, it, had they not been there getting all these random people dressed up for a parade, mm-hmm. they would have never bumped into it, you know? Yeah. Really, really, uh, this this episode actually, I think, had a pretty good showing from all five main characters. Yeah. You know, you know, I think so. You know, everybody has a part. Nobody's really, you know, under, underutilized, I think. I think so, too. So especially because with Jean and Goemon's case is that they end up being important to the story without just, you know, showing up and slashing Dante's can or firing a Magnum. Although that did happen, but they did other <laughs> stuff too. And it was, you know, just as important. They did add some comedy. They did add some very good comedy too. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't just, this is just from my perspective. I feel like it was very, while they were there, you know, as they always are, I do feel like, we we did see a lot more of Lupin and Fujiko involved in this. But again, I'm not saying it wasn't a team effort. It's always a team effort with them. Just I saw more Lupin and Fujiko, even if Fujiko was the, um, oh my goodness, um, was the damsel in distress by having her <laughs> by having her tied up to the railroad tracks like it's a freaking Tex Avery cartoon. <laughs> well, I feel like mentioning that as someone who has how should I put it? Been praised for his hair and recently got it cut. I really related with Fujiko there when, you know, it was suggested that she either cut her hair off or get decapitated. <laughs> and, you know, her uh, hesitance is like, yeah, I feel that. You know, uh, I can, I could, I used to be able to relate to that until I cut all of my hair off. But also, both of you guys are, are masculine. Uh, us lady us who are very femme um you know hair is a big thing and i'm not trying to get like very psychological here or anything but um i have stress-induced alopecia i don't know from whose side of the family i get it from but it's been it's been speculated that i probably get it from my mother's side of the family because i'm starting to notice like a good chunk of the women do have thinning hairlines and you know like i have my hair in braids right now but Compared to how thick and long my braids were 10, 15 years ago when I was in high school, it, it's a big difference. And I do feel a little bit self-conscious. It's like, oh, I, I, I miss my hair. Like, I do miss how thick and long my hair was, even though when I was 15, I hated how thick and long my hair was. So I take my words back, God. <laughs> well, I was hope to relate to Fujiko, is what I'm saying, because, you know, my hair is very important to me as well, so... But it was also funny. Okay, Samson. (laughs) 
I say that lovingly, Chris. You, yeah, you, you, you know, we're like, you're nowhere like buddy buddies. <laughs> but, it, but it is good to like, um, what do you call it? Um, to relate to Fujiko on at least some level as a gentleman. <laughs> well, and like, yeah, she was a little bit of the damsel in the stress. But I was more okay with it this time. As, Again, as, it, it, as, it, as, as opposed to the way she, whenever she usually ends up at the damsel in the stress, it's frustrating. I don't like it. You try being you try being a woman who loves Fujiko as a character and hates seeing her get resorted to the damsel in distress because she is not a damsel in distress. She's a fucking boss ass bitch. She could have easily gotten herself out of so many situations only to be only for her character to be, you know, put like that. Right. Which is something I I recall uh you know, complaining about a lot in what was our second episode of the series of uh, of Cyber and Cigarettes about the first episode of part one. Ah, uh, yes, uh, the tickle you machine. Know, I, I, yeah, it's just I don't I don't like Fujiko. I like there is a way for Fujiko to be in the you know damsel in the stress, and it's done well. Like Miyazaki did great with it in mm-hmm. uh, Albatross: Wings of Death, and I thought it was done really well here too because it wasn't a big part of the story. It was mostly done for comic relief yeah it was stuff for shits and giggles especially the giggles <laughs> also i i like the gag with a uh, lupon in the tunnel with his uh, progress being blocked off by uh large snowballs it's like there's an obstruction on the track the obstruction has been cleared there's another obstruction on the track and another and another that part cracked me up <laughs> right uh, just the look on lupon's face <laughs> cracked me up too <laughs> I don't know why, but it kind of reminded me of um, when I used to ride the Matterhorn at Disneyland. I can't ride anymore because my back hurts. But and it just reminds me, like once you dis- once you're like getting ready to disembark, the old school announcement used to be like "Remain seated, please." Demonesen sentados, por favor, and they would just play that on loop to the point where you get annoyed. Like, <laughs> that, oh, that reminds me. I also like the bit where uh, the train ends up like crashing into the station. But it's still making the announcements. Mm-hmm. You know, welcoming people. I thought that was amusing. I still laugh at this model of this transcontinental railroad in this park that is simulated in America. And that it's like, yeah, from one area you get New York and through the Rockies you get to the Golden Gate Bridge. Me, who's from the San Francisco Bay Area. We're more than just the Golden Gate Bridge, okay? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is, you know genuinely a theme park version of the continent so it is i i I, I get it (laughs) wait till we get to alcatraz connection and i'll really be bitching (laughs) uh okay well again it's a gag episode it's a wonderful filler episode Lupin and the gang, you know, re- the the retelling capabilities that make even fillers fun. Final thoughts, you guys? It was solid. I liked it. Touche. There's really not much more to say. No. Like, yeah, I, I really can't complain about it. <laughs> Indeed. Like, I, re- I genuinely don't have any gripes about it at all. Yeah, no. no it's just, oh, yeah, it's just a perfect, fun episode. But, right. And with that, do you think we should call in a night? What about you, Natalie? You didn't give us your thoughts. I think I gave most of my thoughts. I love <laughs> it. It's adorable. It's 
give me more of that really good filler that actually makes some goddamn sense for once. <laughs> Fair. Uh, wait, wait, are you saying that, uh, what is it, the 1999, like, popcorn rocket thing episode from part two isn't your cup of tea? <laughs> the popcorn <laughs> rocket? Um, yeah. You haven't seen this? Oh, my God, the popcorn rocket. <laughs> Boy, that that's, that's one of the most... Did that ever get dubbed? Because I only see. No. Okay, no, so it, no, I haven't it, seen that one. You gotta. That, that episode is quite popular. Between that and Ice Robot. Oh, God, Ice like Robot happens to be one of my favorite part two <laughs> episodes. So just because it's. Huh? It's like my top five, Ice Robot is. Same. Agreed. Like, my top. Like, Part probably one of my top five is Ice Robot, and it's only because of how it makes fun of the gangster tropes and and you know like the yeah. gun, the gun mall and oh my lord, it reminded me so much of uh, Looney Tunes, like old. Oh yeah. yes. Or- also, one ear Joe, one ear Joe, <laughs> one ear Joe. <laughs> ah, shoot stuff. But- <laughs> And they got the voices down perfect for that episode. Yeah. I mean, you, you can tell that Gabot was Tony Oliver. But we'll oh, to, yeah. But we'll have to save uh, our conversation about that episode for much later. Yes. True, but I, I much, much it, later. I, I, I probably the next so, five but... years. <laughs> Again, like well, for me, part generous. two is very... Part two episodes, if it's if it's not that one, it's the... Um, Oh, what do you call it? The opera, epi- the one that's influenced by Carmen with Jigen and the flamenco dancer. Is this because uh, I love operas? Heart. Yep. But that's just because I love operas. And the really, the one that tugged my heartstrings with the um, Cornelia episodes, the two-parters. Cornelia. I love the Cornelia episodes. Uh, I'm going to cry right now. No, I don't want to Anyways. About it. <laughs> so, let's move on. Yeah. So if we call it a night. I well, guess that's it. <laughs> actually, before we call it a night, perhaps we should make a call to Switzerland real quick. You, you know, it's like nine hours ahead for me and probably six hours ahead for you guys to be calling the land of neutral chocolate eaters. That was a segue to Will segment. I know. Yeah. Okay. Hello again, Lupantic folks, and welcome back to our review of Lupin the Third, Part 6. This time, we're talking about Episode 3, our first filler episode standalone story in the series. And honestly, there's not a lot to say. It's a fun, kind of cute episode with lots of funny bits. Um, there's still a mystery, and though it's kind of a weak one, but we we do have a bit of a mystery with the uh, the nobleman's murder, and we have very fun interactions and reactions uh, from the whole gang. And something that I would like to um, you know to point out is how Fujiko is now a fully uh, integrated part of the Lupin gang instead of being a reluctant collaborator and uh, traitor. Uh, Fujiko is not being uh, uh, a double-crossing backstabber now. She she is fully uh, part of, of the Lupin gang and I really like the way she and Lupin work together. But apart from that, 
what is fair to say? Um, there's um, a good deal of references with um, references to uh, Ellery Quinn, uh, who is um, a fictional detective, but also uh, the pen name um, hiding the actual authors. So um, the Ellery Queen series was imagined as, you know, being uh, the actual report from the detective. And that's a fine reference because n not a lot of people know about Ellery Quinn. He is not as popular as he used to be. And nowadays we mainly remember, um, you know, the great classics, Holmes, Poirot, uh, Maigret, um, and maybe a few modern ones like Kurt Wallander. But we, we tend to forget uh, detectives like um, uh, Nero Wolfe and indeed uh, Ellery Quinn. So it was nice to see that reference. You have to remember that the Japanese have um, maintained that uh, interest towards uh, crime-solving novels and it has infused into their own culture thanks to Edogawa Ranpo. So it is nice to see that even without Holmes, we have a connection with detective fiction, with that character uh, of Queen, you know, of um, Inspector Queen, um, working with Zenigata. And we have a very fun um, environment, you know, that kind of um, world tour um, train uh, station, uh, which reminds me a bit of the uh, Panorama Island from Edogawa Ranpo, uh, who has that kind of um, spatial and geographic illusion. I wasn't too invested in, you know, those two boys who, um, you know, uh, are head of the hills uh, over Fujika, which is quite understandable. Um, you know, those hardy boys, like uh, my co-host Natalie likes to call them, but they are not unsufferable. And they are witnesses to uh, kind of a badass Jigen uh, moment as well. So uh, this episode probably is a bit more generous that, you know, than on face value. I guess I should rewatch it uh, and appreciate it as you know what it is, what it brings. But for now, it's it's fun. Uh, it's a bit silly. It reminds me a lot of part two episodes in a way, uh, with just that little bit of murder element uh, implemented in. Um, but I'm already uh, way more invested in next week's episode penned by the legendary Mamoru Oshii from Ghost in the Shell, among other things. And it's already filled with lots of uh, um, pop culture references, and I'm looking forward to it. That's all for me, and I will see you next time, Lupantic folks. Same Lupin time, same Lupin channel. <laughs>
my well, god. According to mine, it's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. Unfortunately, I'm all out of gum. <laughs> so, I do believe that that, that, that wraps up a tea time uh, for this week. Or as Natalie has put it on Zencaster here, team time. Shut the hell up. <laughs> yes, dear. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so before we go, where can we find you guys? In Ohio. That clears it up. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can also find Drew Carey, apparently. He, well, actually, he's. I'm pretty sure he's in L.A. now. So, okay, uh, so. But- Jay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter um, at L-O-O-P-A-W-N Lupon. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I haven't really been active too much there, but you can find me there at Lupon.Sansei. I'm, and uh, if you want to find me elsewhere, you're going to have to DM me. Okay. I guess we'll have to get you down in the DMs. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, Natalie, where can we find you aside of sunny California? Well, right now it's not that sunny. I mean, you know, fall is here. Just because I live in the Bay Area doesn't mean we do not get a fall. However, you can find me on Twitter at C A P L I H E L S I N G. And you can also find me on Instagram at C A P T A I N. L I H E double S I N G. Um, I don't think I'm that interesting, but yeah. Um, hollow at your follow at your girl. <laughs> Hashtag team follow back. <laughs> and just Chris, just don't follow too closely or else you'll have you arrested. Um, yeah, I- I've actually had people arrested, so don't try me. I'm kidding. <laughs> Chris, where can we find you at? Besides, um, in the land of fried chicken. <laughs> ha. Well, the thing is, there's a little bit of me everywhere. Oh, God, that sounds so wrong. That sounds okay. really <laughs> gross. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something went very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Um, you can find me on Oh god. Newgrounds, Instagram, uh, probably a few other places at Amazing Chris Godby, G-O-D-B-E-Y. And I'm also author of a webcomic called Weird in a Can, which as of this recording today can now be found at weirdinacan.com. Oh yeah, you did buy a domain name. I did, and everything finally got switched over today, so That's exciting. Tell me oh about my it. god. Congrats. Thank you. And now, and now I'll proceed not update for three months. <laughs> but either way, by the way, guys, do check it out. It's an adorable webcomic. Um, Chris does put a lot of like love and um, a lot of himself in it. It's really adorable. I, for one, enjoy it and can't read to, can't wait to read more. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, until next tea time. Tea time, uh, not tea time. I'll remember next time. Oh my god. All right, catch you guys later. Until then, Lucasic folks, good night.
everyone. This is Natalie here from Sideburns and Cigarettes. Now, I know that if you're like me, who really does love Lupin and tries to like get and then suddenly gets influenced <laughs> by anything and everything that is represented in Lupin the Third, I will say this. While this weekend's upcoming episode is based off a Papa Hemingway short story, I will add some content warning. Ernest Hemingway is, how should I say this, uh, a product of his time and not in a good way. Some of his stuff is a little, okay, let's be real. Some of his stuff is really dated. So if you are going to actively listen to it on, as an audiobook or even read the short story, a little bit of content warning for you. There's a lot of rampant use of the M word, N word, not going to repeat it on here. And of course, uh, there's a lot of blatant <laughs> homophobia it's really bad. However, I do not, that should not discourage you from trying to read it. Um, there is a lot of influence from just a single short story on what we now see in pop culture as the 1930s and 40s film noir genre. If you really do want to look into that, I will post some really awesome um, video essays that I have found on YouTube from that short story. You will have to follow me on Twitter for those. And with that, have a good night, Lupontic folks. Next time on Sideburns and Cigarettes. From the man who brought us Urusei Yatsura, Beautiful Dreamer, Angel's Egg, Pat Labor 2, and Ghost in the Shell, we get The Killers in the Diner. So, you mean we're finally getting a proper ending to The Sopranos? Because... Yeah, that black screen was a little bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs>